message on healing. It's so important because um, medical science keeps coming up with things to help that people are still sick. People still get sick. They can never get their hands around it. And I think it takes only God to really bring us healing. And the thing I like to do is the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're not strong in this area, Satan knows you're not strong. And when he attacks you, you've got nothing to fight with. The Bible tells us that the scriptures that we have, the word of God, these are prophecies that have been written concerning you. And Paul said to Timothy, these prophecies were there bef- uh, given to you for you to use to wage a good warfare. So everything that's written about you in this book is for you to wage a good warfare. Why is it a good warfare? You always win if you know the scriptures. This is the greatest mystery in the universe. And God giving it to us in the form of a book. This is God. Think about it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. So the word of God is the greatest mystery. If you think, how can we understand God? Well, it's the same thing as the word. God and the word are the same. So if you can understand the word, not know the word, understand the word, it's a big, there's a big difference. Once you understand the word, then you come to know God. And until your eyes are open to the truth, you can never receive anything from God. Jesus is clear about this. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So it's the truth that makes us free. And if you want to be free in this area of life, and there's different parts of the scriptures that we really need to focus on, uh, but if you want to really be free in this area of healing, you need to start study the subject. And you really need to study the subject. If it's finances, study it. Study it until it becomes part of you, until you lose the fear. And once you lose the fear, you are on your way to victory. You are on your way to victory. Because fear is the opposite of faith. If you fear, you attract what you are afraid of. And naturally, we fear because we don't understand these things. But once God has given you understanding in the world, even though you are being confronted with this problem, looking you right in the face, you have no fear. Because you know what the the word of God says, and you have confidence in the word of God that you are going to overcome. So that's why I like to go into this. I, I really, I preached so much on healing in my early days. That was all I preached about. So I kind of stayed away from it. I never really go back to it very much. But I realized God's putting a lot of new people into my life. And I've got to share what God has shared with me in this area. So you know and understand this. Do I get sick here? Do I get tempted to be sick here? I just know that God's going to heal me no matter what. I've had so many healings take place in my own life. It just doesn't bother me. I don't feel embarrassed. You, if I'm sick, if I'm feeling sick, I'm not staying at home. I'll come to church. It doesn't bother me. 
because I'm not going to prove anything to you. But I know the God that I serve, he's going to take care of me. Do I believe in medicine? Oh, yes. If it was not before, for medicine, I'd be dead before I got to become a Christian. So medicine is good. You use it. All good and perfect gift came from above. That knowledge, it's a good knowledge. It came from above. But when medicine fails, God can never fail me. Medicine can fail, but God never fails. And if God, medicine fails, God fails, it's time for me to go home. doesn't bother me. I'll go home. But I don't think it's the right way to go. Like I said, we are so conditioned to believe you have to die, to die of some kind of sickness. We're conditioned to believe that way. It's just part of us. We have to allow God to renew our mind in this area. We really need to. If I tell you, oh, this brother died, they, like I said on Sunday, the next question is, what killed him? And I said, well, he died. Yeah, I know. What killed him? What we're looking for, is it by an accident? Well, he, did he die by an accident? No. Okay, then, what killed him? A disease. Yes, I know. What disease killed him? We have been conditioned to believe that you have to be sick to die. And until we retrain our minds based on the word of God, Romans chapter 12, the renewing of our mind, that this is really not God's will for us. You don't have to be sick to die. There were many people in the Old Testament, David included, he was weak because of all the world. He knew he was going home. He was ready. Got everything in order. Got in the bed. That's the way to go. Same thing with Jacob. He had a little fever. He said, call all my kids together. I want to talk to them. I tell you what, if God will reveal to us the power that he's placed in the believer, our attitude will change. We really don't know what God has placed in us as covenant people. I don't think we understand. And that's my prayer. God, please open my eyes so I can see. You know, I think about somebody like Jacob. I mean, you know his life. He was a deceiver. He says, I was a deceiver. And he said, I failed. He told Pharaoh, failed a lot in my life. Did a lot of bad things, he said. You know, I failed a lot. My sojourn in here has never been really smooth. But he said, call all of them. You know, he named Judah. Remember that? And he said, Judah, Judah is a lion's whelp. Out of you, the king will come. He made it very clear. Shiloh means the expected one. They all knew, based on what was spoken to, to Adam. They knew the one, the one to expect. What he was coming to do, they, they had no real clue. But Jacob knew, and he knew through whom he was going to come. And he said, you, not Joseph, but you, Judah, that's the one. They call you praise. It's going to be coming from you until Shiloh comes, until the expected one comes. We have the same covenant. It's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, he was God of Abraham before he was the God of Isaac. And Isaac will tell you, the God of my father, Abraham. And then Jacob goes, the God of my father, Abraham, my father, Abraham and Isaac. 
And then the children now of Jacob, they go, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why can't he be my God after I leave? It's the same covenant in a better covenant we have. A better covenant we have. So we really need to open up and don't lean on your understanding. I've been in science. So don't give me that. <laughs> I've been in science. I did all the research stuff. I don't trust those things very much. It changes like crazy. Today they tell you uh, you don't eat chocolate. It's crazy. Bad for you. The next day say, take a little chocolate. It's good for you. <laughs> Tomorrow they say, beta carotene will heal, heal you from all your cancer. Oh, it kill you the next day. That's what's happening. It keeps, it keeps changing. Before they tell you don't take any alcohol, then well, red wine is good. What do you want me to believe? Tell me, be straight. They don't really know. They don't really know. There is only one who knows. That's him. I'll listen to them, but I'll listen to him more. That's the truth. Because his word will never change, and he is the person. Uh, who is with us? Jesus is with you everywhere you go. Somebody was telling me the other day, I'm really digressing here, but I've got to tell you my heart and the way I see things. I think I was talking to one of our members and she was talking to me about this rapist in town. I don't care about no rapist in town. They are not coming to my home when my angel... <laughs> Give him one whack, he knows to run from my place. When he comes over, they're going to see the angels. I can see them, but God will open your eyes. Don't go near that building. You're not, you are not safe in this place. It's the truth. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on him because he's a good father. Amen. He is a good father and he loves us. He can protect you. He can protect you. Anywhere you go, this God can. We just have to believe him. Sometimes those symptoms and things happen to us in life, and they are there to tempt us to remove our minds from him and start leaning on our own understanding. And God allowed it to see what you would do. To see if you would take your mind away from him and start trusting in what you see. But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk too much by what we see and what we know. But there is a higher knowledge. It's in this book. There is a greater mystery that cannot fail. Like I said on Sunday, everything you see in the natural came from the unseen world. Everything you see in the natural came from the unseen, unseen world. The real thing is in the unseen world. The world you cannot see. You have eyes because God told you you have eyes. He has eyes. God can see. Can you see his eyes? No. You got nose. God talked about the, his breath. Have you heard about that? God's breath, his right hand. But these are spiritual things. They all exist in the spirit realm before you see them in the natural world. The natural world will decay. The things in the natural world will decay. But what is in the spirit realm, it never decays. It's, it's, it's the same. 
is forever and ever. That's the real world. If you watch television programs, you have had people that have near-death experience or whatever they call it. And they don't want to come back to this world. They said the other world is so vivid, it's so real. I listen to them when they talk on television, those of them that they see such a real world. Everything is vivid. And they can feel much more than we can feel here. We can't believe that because we haven't experienced it. So you want to see it. If, if I don't see it, I'm not going to believe. But stay there. You got to believe these things because they really are. I got to go back to my message. Amen. God, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. Speak to your people tonight and really encourage our hearts to trust in the finished work of Calvary. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to share with you in Psalm 105, which I spoke on, on Sunday, verse 37. It says, God, this is uh, the living Bible, and that God brought his people safely out of Egypt. Safely, you know the word safely, meaning they had to go through some troubles, like going through the Red Sea before they went to the other side. So he brought them, they were, the Egyptians came after them, trying to destroy them. He brought them safely out of Egypt, but he brought them loaded with silver and gold. Please don't forget that part. Amen. Don't act too spiritual. You need gold. <laughs> I need gold as well. Don't overlook that part. It wasn't the people that loaded themselves with gold and silver, right? It was God that gave it to them. And God didn't just give to them. He loaded them with it. And the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you read scriptures like this, come up with your, con your own conclusion that it's not wrong based on God's word. He loads you daily with his goodness and his mercy. Constantly, daily. Not because of you. He just loves you. He loves you. And he wants to be good to you. So the conclusion is, as long as Jesus is alive, hey, my family is never going to know want. Period. And we're going to be tempted to know want here. But I'm not going to accept it. If it bothers me, I'll go spend some time with God. What is this? You are my shepherd. I am not supposed to know want. The bills are going to be paid one way or the other. God's going to help me pay the bills. So I don't have to sleep wondering what tomorrow is going to look like. I got to trust him. Does it mean we don't have to work? Yeah, I'll do my best. You can't sit there doing nothing. You got to do something. Well, I, I trust God. So now it's time to sleep. The money is going to fall from the ceiling. Well, you're going to die hungry. I'm telling you, you're going to die hungry. You got to go. You got to do something. He multiplies what you're doing. Whatever you set your hands to do, he says he will bless it. So you got to be doing something for God to bless what you're doing. So he loaded them with silver and gold. And it says there were no sick and feeble folk among them then. 
that means something changed after a while. And we will go why this scripture says then. It's so important. So when God brought them out of Egypt, it was clear three million people were told. When I read that, I was shocked. How many people do we have in Houston? Do we have up to three million? Maybe three million people in Houston. Can you imagine the whole of Houston? There is nobody that is sick. The doctors will move out of Houston, I'm telling you, and the nurses. There will be no job for them. That's what it means. Don't laugh, Fabian. It's going to be rough for you. Your wife's a nurse. <laughs> Can you imagine the whole of Houston? Not even a weak person in the whole of Houston. If you say the word, people are just going to laugh in your face. What are you saying? There's nobody that's sick in Houston. How come you got this uh, MD Anderson there? But that's what God did for his people when he brought them out. He brought them out and he made sure they had wealth. And also there was not even weak, a weak person among the tribe. Even the old people were not weak. Caleb said, my strength is still the same strength that I had when I left Egypt. That was 40 years later. He says, I have the same big or the same strength. Give me this mountain. And that's under the Old Testament. Under the Old Testament. I think there's something that God's given us that is so great. When, I, when some things jump at me, when I read Paul saying, you know, to the, to, to the believers, saying, you know, I'm in the street. I have this desire to go home to be with the Lord because that's better for me. But you need me. And now I'm struggling whether to go home to be with God and to stay with you. He's talking about dying. And then Paul says, well, because you need me, I'll stay around for a while. A man can make a decision like that. Yeah, he's a Christian. You decide, you're satisfied with life, you want to go home, and that's what happened. And Paul, Peter said the same thing. I am now ready to be offered, he said. That's what Peter said. These are examples. And so you draw from those scriptures and you realize there's no, nothing in this world that can take my life until I'm ready to go home. You got to say this boldly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it talks about the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. If you can't say it, you really don't believe it. If you can't say it boldly, you don't believe it. And when you begin to speak it, then it works. Since we have the same spirit of faith, I believe, therefore, you speak. If you can't say it, you don't believe it. If you're afraid of saying it before people, you don't believe it. Because all you're thinking is, what if I say it and something else happens to me? What are they going to say? Well, you are still living in the flesh. <laughs> you're depending on your flesh. I'm not depending on my own wisdom. I'm depending in, on his faithfulness. That he is good to his word. And if he's not, if for some reason the word, he won't protect me, I'm ready to go that way. I don't care what you think. Excuse me. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I got one person to please. Amen? That's him. So forget about people. Believe the word. Speak it boldly. And that will please the father. 
that will really please the Father. Amen? There was no one that was sick. And so you read the scriptures, then you begin to see what God's doing. Notice what, after they left Egypt, there was nobody sick. And so they traveled, and they came to a place called Merah, where the water was bitter. And they couldn't drink the water. And they complained against, against Moses, and Moses did something. In verse 25 of Exodus chapter 15. It says, so he cried out to the Lord. Moses cried out to God because they were crying out to Moses. Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. Can you say the word with me? Ah, uh, you know what that means? The cross. The cross. No matter how bitter your life is being. When God shows you the tree, Jesus, in, in fact, Peter said, he hung on a tree, right? God showed him a tree, some tree. When he cast it into the waters, that's bitter water, the water, waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there God tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. You know why God could tell them that? Because they had already experienced the healing, right? They saw what happened to the Egyptians, and they were excluded. They saw what happened to them. That everybody came out. Not a joke. Everybody was healthy. I said on Sunday, they were being busy, just slaving around, day and night, no rest, stressed out. But when, it, when they came out, they were so strong, and God could tell them, now listen, I'll continue this business of keeping you healthy. That's what I think was happening here. I will continue with this business of keeping you healthy if you do what I say. Because from now on, I'm going to be your doctor. <laughs> I'm the Lord that heals you. That's what God was saying. In our time, God would have said, I'm going to be your doctor. And I'll keep you well. How would you feel if Jesus walked up to your room and said, can I be your doctor? I say, yes, Lord. <laughs> Until I die, you'll always be my doctor. But that's what he was telling them. And he was telling them this because he had already healed them. Everybody was free from sickness and disease. And God was just saying to them, this is not going to be a part of your life if you just listen to me. Can you see that in the scriptures? That's what God was doing here. And then if you go to Exodus 23, God did the same thing again. So they live in Egypt. When he brought them out, there was not one sick or feeble person among the tribe. And God kept continuing with this thing. I am your doctor. I'm going to heal you. And God is still our doctor today. In the New Testament, even stronger than he was in the Old Testament. That's the way I believe. And we don't have to be sick. We don't have to be sick. God can heal us. In Exodus chapter 23, 
verse 25 and 26. It says, so you shall serve, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. That's, again, talking about loading them with silver and gold. Amen. I don't think you, you take your loaf of bread and say, now, Lord, please lay your hands and bless the bread. That's not what he's talking about. Not the bread that you eat. Bread and water. It says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. God said, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. If God takes sickness away from the midst of people in the Ark Fellowship, will anybody be sick? Yeah? So God cannot do this anymore? I, I need some answer here. God, when he was young and he was very strong, he could do it. But now he's the ancient of days and he has to walk slowly. He can't really do these things for him. Is that what we think? God said, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Three million people. No sickness. And the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My people perish for lack of knowledge. They just don't know. They just don't know. But if you believe these things, by and by, your body is going to be transformed. I really believe that. Because when your mind is renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Yeah. Your spirit is already transformed. So what's, uh, if your mind is transformed, if your life is transformed by the renewing of your mind, your mind is still part of your body, what else is going to be transformed? Your spirit is already transformed. God's talking about your life and your body. That's what he's talking about. When you renew your mind, your life is transformed, your body is transformed, everything is transformed. But we got to renew our mind. The world that we are talking about is not just Satan. You can fight him. It's the battle of words. Satan speaking words and God speaking words. What are you going to believe? What you believe is what's going to affect your life. Because what you believe is what's going to come out of your mouth. And what's coming out of your mouth, what God hears, hears from your mouth, he says, that's what I'm going to give to you. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So God was telling them, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. No one will suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I, when I read that scripture and I kept saying at first time, I said, God, God said no one will be barren. Well, I thought to myself, Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Rachel was barren. The wife of Manuel, Samson's mother, she was barren. Hannah was barren. Elizabeth was barren. How can God say, if you serve me, there shall nothing, but no barrenness in the home of the world, they get that. But then I notice, every time you have a woman of God that's barren, it seems like God will always come through somehow. 
after they pray. And every time God comes through, a child is born. And as I studied the scriptures, I discovered every time God comes through, it was always a male child. Amen. Think about it. All the way from Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, God gave them two. Esau and Jacob, Rachel, Joseph. Always a boy. You can go all the way, Hannah, Samson. And I noticed those boys became a pain in the neck of Satan. Every one of them. Every one of them. So I, did, I, did, I came up with this uh, formula. I loved in those days to find a Christian woman that's having problem having a child. I will always declare to them, you're going to have a boy. Amen. And you know, God's, I, I don't know of any situation where I haven't seen that. I think uh, we remember Pastor Andy, your daughter, she couldn't have a child. And I came up with this formula also. Pastor Andy said, we need to pray for her. We prayed. We, uh, we said, we're going to hold out the boy now. Guess what? It's a boy. Tristan is in our church here. He loves me and I love him because I know he's my miracle. <laughs> we have a special connection. Uh, he loves me. He loves to see me, and I do love because I realize. And he's not the only one. He's not the only one. Back in Nigeria, we've had people. It's, it's just that's the way it is. When my wife was having a heart problem, I told her, "Don't worry. We have spiritual children. God's going to come through. The first boy is going. The first child is going to be a boy." And that's what God gave to us. In fact, we were in Georgia. Remember, they were asking us. Angela was pregnant, and they, my friends were saying, "Oh, your wife is pregnant." What's the child? What kind of child? Do you know if it's going to be a boy or a girl? And I said, it's going to be a boy. And they said, the doctor told you that? I said, no, he's going to be a boy. They said, when you find out, let us know. Guess what? I called them back. It's a boy. Because the scriptures cannot lie. That's what I'm telling you. You look at the scriptures. You come up with your own conclusion based on the ways of the Lord. Amen. It's called the way of God. And you draw your conclusion and let faith be born. And God will never disappoint you. And don't speak anything different from that. After that, God has opened your eyes. It's called revelation. Because he shows it to you. This is the way I do my things. And God is very consistent in the way he does his things. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you find a principle his way, the way he does this thing, you line up, you get the same miracle. He doesn't change. Now, Jesus died to make us free from sin, sickness, and poverty. And the scripture backs all of this. Like I said, I may not have physical cash, but I know I'm rich. I got all of you. <laughs> I, you know, that's the way God does this thing. I heard a minister say that, and I finally understood it. 
Because he had people that God has placed in his life. And he says, if I tell my congregation with his thousands, tens of thousands, I, I don't have any shoes to wear these days. He said, I'll have so many shoes, I have to build a house to keep my shoes because they keep buying for their pastor and all of that. But God does give to us. His, his word is the truth. So I get, I've made up my mind, there is no need to worry. I don't want anybody worried, troubling me. I know the natural things, but I'm trusting in him. Amen? I know the natural thing, but you trust in him. But we're going to come to that because the scripture for every one of this, and I want us to believe it, it's, it's hard if, especially for a husband and wife, when one believes and the other one, you've got to be in agreement. You've got to come into agreement in your home. You guys have to decide, in our home, there is never going to be a day of one. Now, let me show you this. You know there was farming in the land during the days of Joseph? It wasn't that Jacob had nothing. Remember? He had fruits that he was sending to Pharaoh. To Joseph, he didn't know that was his son. And they brought the money back. He doubled the money. You remember that? It wasn't that he had no money. He doubled the money that they brought back. He says, now take this back and we're going to double it. Uh, it's not, money is not the problem. We just need something to eat. He wasn't poor. He had everything. And what he never knew, he had everything. Joseph was the one at the top. He had everything. But it wasn't a problem. I mean, if he needed, he, he wasn't concerned about what was happening. He knew he could buy bread for his whole family. He had the money to do that. Amen? So when they brought the money back, he sent more. And he got gifts for Joseph. He didn't know that was his son. And when he found that that was his son, he's got everything. He got the best when he got to Egypt. And he said, now, I'm, I'm happy. I can go home now. That's where I want to get. When I'm satisfied, it's time to go home. If Jesus tarries. He says, now, my son, I see my son Joseph. He's doing well. I'm okay now. I can go home in peace. Amen. Isaiah 53 is so important. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible um, because there are certain uh, scriptures, uh, words there that, that the Amplified will bring out what it really means and how a Jewish man reads when he reads Isaiah 53 in the days of Peter, Matthew, Luke, and those individuals. When they read the Old Testament, no, they didn't have the New Testament. When they read Isaiah 53, this was what they were reading. And we really need to take it to heart. This was what they were reading. It says, surely, without a doubt, he has borne our griefs, and this is what that word means, sickness, weakness, and distresses. That's what it means. No doubt Jesus bore our grief, sickness. He bore our weakness. 
And that's what the Bible says. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. That's why God could say, let the weak among believers, let the weak say, don't say anything about the weakness because that's not your inheritance. So he says, let the weak say, I am strong. We're so quick to, dis- to tell us the real thing, how we really feel. I'm just going to tell it as it is. Well, don't tell me as it is when you're, what you're telling me as it is contradicts his word. He says he bore your sickness and your disease and you're still bearing it. What, what good does it do to Jesus to bear your sickness and you bear the same thing? How can he feel like he's done something good when he's, you're carrying exactly what he's already born? The same thing. Two of you bearing the same punishment. Does it make sense? You won't tolerate that. Think about it. If you have a son and the law of the land allows it for you, for you, for you to be killed for your son for something that they've done, or let's put, it, let's put it the other way. Your son is willing to die for you for the things that you've done. And then they kill your son. And then they turn around and say, well, we're going to kill you as well. I mean, you're not going to tolerate that. You kill my son, you're going to kill me. But we do that to the son of God. He took our sickness and our disease. According to the scriptures, this is what is written here. God says, surely, no doubt, Jesus bore your sickness. That's the truth. He bore it. And God cannot lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. You may not see how he bore it, but the truth is sickness is spiritual before it's physical. Otherwise, we would have seen tumors on Jesus on the cross. How could he have borne our sickness and disease? But there was no tumor on Jesus' body on the cross, right? Because sickness is spiritual. The scripture says he bore our sickness and our diseases. So he bore our sickness, he bore our weakness. I don't have to be weak. I'm not preparing to be weak because of age. (laughs) Amen. I think my wife will like that joking. (laughs) So you don't have to be taking care of you, you know. When it comes to that stage where somebody, oh my, oh my wife has to lead me and I'm walking like this to the bathroom, it's time to go home. <laughs> I don't need anybody leading me. And I'm not just bragging, I believe in this God, amen? My boast is in him. My boast is in him. I would rather believe God's word than just to be playing games. Is that this book is the truth or we don't need to be following this? This is all a joke. We come here, listen to this man say all these things that no more don't not work. I don't want to waste time doing that kind of stuff. If it doesn't work, let it, then let's go. I believe in healing. So I, when I go out, I expect to see people healed. Why would I follow a God that doesn't act? I did that before I met Jesus. Sitting before idols. None of you self, you've never sat before an idol before. I have I knelt before an idol praying to this this carved wood. I did that when I was a kid. 
I looked at this, uh, this carved wood, and I said, this cannot be a God. This nose is crooked. They didn't do a good job carving this, this crooked God. And I looked at him and said, man, he can't even move his hands. How is he going to save me? Man, they said, come on, come on, say these words to him. And I said, he's ugly, I can't pray. <laughs> he can't even help himself. How is he going to help me? Amen. But we serve a God that's real. And we have to believe in him. He, that's all it requires. If you can only believe, all things are possible to those who believe. So he made this very clear. He carried our sorrows. That's our pain or punishment. Yet ignorantly, we consider him stricken and smitten and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgression. That has to do with the sin, right? Jesus, nobody argues that. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement, the needful to obtain peace. What was needful to obtain, to give us peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Notice God put sickness and disease with sin in the same sacrifice that Jesus made for us, right? He was bruised for our iniquities. Everybody knows what that means. That's going to the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions, right? That's for us. But also God tacked with that our sickness, just like they did when they killed the lamb, Passover lamb. You remember Jesus is our Passover lamb. As they killed the Passover lamb in the land of Egypt, that's what healed the three million people. After they ate that mystery meal, everybody got healed. When they left the land, there was nobody sick. When they left Egypt, Jesus is our Passover lamb. The blood has been applied. You know, the, the lintel and the side post. Think about it. That's the cross. The lintel, side post, that's the cross. Jesus would return the blood from top. The blood, that's the cross. He was our Passover lamb. After they ate their mystery meal, they all got healed. And they all got wealthy. That's the shadow, right? The Bible tells us what happened to them is a shadow of good things to come. And I kept wondering, good things to come? Huh. Good things to come? Look at us. Shadow of good things to come? No one was sick. Look at us. How we accept sickness and disease. And talk about it as if we are bragging about it. Well, my headache, my back pain. Well, it's yours. Keep it. 
I'm going to tell you as it, tell it as it is. But yeah, keep telling it as it is. That's the way it is. As a man thinks in his heart, so shall be. We have to transform our minds the way we think. I know some of the things that I'm saying to you is maybe for some is very radical, but it's the truth. Search the scriptures. That's what Jesus said. Search the scriptures. He told the Jews, search, search the scriptures. Because you think in them you have eternal life. But they all testify of me. And that's what he's saying, the word of God. We shouldn't compromise because of how we feel. And we must let go of everything we've been taught if it's not according to the word of God. There are a lot of crazy things that Christians say that don't make sense. Things like heaven help those who help themselves. Have you heard that before? It's Ezekiah chapter 4, <laughs> verse 5. <laughs> There's nothing like that. But Christians see this crazy stuff. They want to make you believe that God is chastising you with this sickness. And, and, and God gave me this uh, pain in my stomach to teach me a lesson. If you do that to your child, I'll call CPS on you. You're dying of a terrible virus, and you say, well, the Lord is teaching me a lesson. Why don't you put virus in your child's mouth, and then when they get sick, tell the uh, CPS people that you did it, and see where you wound up. We say crazy things that don't make sense, and we put that on God. And Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Your Heavenly Father. Well, if you won't do that to your child, why do you think God would do that to you? That's silly. That's really silly. But that's what you hear from Christians. That's what you hear from ministers sometimes. They believe these things. Well, I'm telling you, brother, uh, until the Lord smote me. Uh, I was about to do this. I was doing this crazy stuff. But after this, yeah, God used that situation to, to teach you a lesson. But you didn't have to go through that. He already gave you examples in scriptures. The Bible tells us that these men are for our examples. You didn't listen to that. So Satan walked you good. And God rescued you. And you're thinking God put that on you. God doesn't put. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. If it's not good, it didn't come from him. You're just deceiving yourself. It just didn't come from him. My time is up. <laughs> And I'm going to quit. But I hope I've, I'm I have a lot that I want to share with you in this area. But I'm not just talking about healing alone. Please understand, this same principle applies to every area of life. Believe me, every single area of life. I'm just using healing to teach us a lesson. Don't speak what you don't want to come to you. Please don't say it. Because you can think it. But don't speak it. You know, people tend to say, well, you want me to be weak. I don't want to. There was a time I used to talk maybe that way. I, I got, when I was a child, you remember what the scripture says? I spoke as a child. But when you become a man, you shouldn't be doing those things. And that's what Christians, they want to force you to become. I'm not going to do that for anybody. That's being a hypocrite. I don't believe that way. So why should I act that way so you, you think I'm a good person and, and, and you're going through this? 
no, I don't speak the things that I don't like going, that I'm going through. It's between me and him. Amen. Speaking is not so you are in a vicious circle hearing the same thing and you're going doing the same thing constantly. You know freedom. But we love to hear these things. I don't want to hear them. I don't want sin preached at me. I want you to tell me God can make me free. Amen. Show me that God can make me free. And God can. And tell me God still loves you. What you're doing is no good. But God can deliver you if you are willing. That's what Isaiah chapter 1 verse, verse uh, 19 tells us. If you are willing and obedient, you eat of the good of the land. But you got to be willing. It's very important. But every time you get willing, God's already been willing. And he's going to take you to the promised land. The problem is not God. The problem is I'm not willing. And I'm not ready to be obedient yet. We really need to try, let our minds be renewed. That's the important thing. We really need to let our minds be renewed. So we lose our fear from sickness and disease. And our fear of dying. I notice in my life, if I listen to people too much, I begin to entertain the fear. And I don't want to do that. That's when I go to pray and get those things off my mind. Because God has given me health and I'm not planning to be weak. And the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. When God tells you to do something, he may not tell you why. But believe me, there's a secret in it. And if you do it, you'll enjoy it. Let others be saying what they really understand. Let them be. But stay with God. And he'll never fail you. I know that that's the truth. Amen? Stay with God. I pray that God has spoken to your heart today. Let's believe God for this year. I'm saying that God's going to bless our church and every family in this church mightily this year. And I believe that with all of my heart. Some of us are going to have things coming to us. You need to let your mind be open. Because God might take you to another direction. Be in business. Don't be afraid. Just find out, is this you, God? Step out and see what God will do for you. I think this is going to be an unusual year for our church. And um, just believe that. We all agree together and see what God does for us. Unusual things are going to happen in our relationships, our family lives, with our children. You got to believe those things. But remember, if two shall agree concerning anything, that they shall ask. God will do it. And when we agree, don't come out of agreement. God will give you opportunity too. Don't take it. He's going to let you come to a place where things are so difficult. You People say, well, pastor, you told us this, but now look. Guess what you just did? You came out of agreement based on what you saw, with what you can see with your eyes. Let's not do that this year. Let's keep speaking prosperity. Stand up with me tonight. If you're sick in the body, I believe God's already healed you tonight. It's so, it's so important to me. Let nobody fear sickness and disease. None of us will fear sickness and uh, disease if we could see Jesus standing here, would you? <laughs> I don't care what it is. Even if the doctors told you you're dying tomorrow and somebody says, hey, listen, Jesus, 
of Nazareth is in this church. He's sitting right there. He's waiting and he's praying for the people. You will tell yourself, good. Next year, I w- before you were talking about day after tomorrow, the day now you're talking about two years later, what you're going to be doing. Because Jesus is here. Well, he's already here. Amen? And Jesus loves it when you cannot see him and still believe it. He likes that even better. That's what he told Thomas. Don't, don't be doubtful, but be believing. Just because you see me now, you believe. He prefers it. He blesses God more when you can believe against your trouble. Amen? What are you going through tonight that you want God to deal with? I know we like to think about our problems. That's not the thing to do. Don't praise your problems. Praise him. What do you use to praise God? Your lips. When you speak about God, that's praising him, right? When you speak about your problem, guess what you're praising? We don't know this principle. I won't speak about this one. Speak the truth. Amen? This is the truth. Every other thing is a lie, including your body. It's a lie if it doesn't line up with this word. But if you listen to the word, your body will eventually line up. Amen? Let's lift our hands up to God tonight and begin to believe God for your healing. You know, we're all men. No one is divine. But the divine won't listen up. And I got no more power than you have in God. And my job is to let you know you got more. More. The power lives in you. The Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, according to the power that's in you. Ephesians chapter 3 also, you know, verse 20. He says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or even imagine. According to the power that's already in you. Is there in you the power that heals you? Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for healing your children tonight. Every sickness, every disease has been arrested tonight. Every sickness, every disease has been arrested tonight. Every want, everything that is contrary to the word of God has been arrested tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I command these demonic forces of sickness and disease and want and miscarriages in business, in life, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And I command you, take your hands of the children of God. I speak prosperity upon the children of God tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you. Because greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. And we're so grateful, God, that you are our God. And tonight we say from the bottom of our heart, you are a good God. And you do take care of your own. No one can pluck those that the Father has given to Jesus from his hand. The Father is greater than all. And Lord, we are in you and in Christ. And we're so grateful we found a place of refuge where we cannot be touched. There is no demon. There is no situation. There is no circumstance that can make us afraid. We have you in our lives and we're grateful that God, you live with us.
you've come to make your dwelling with us. And in this we are grateful. And we feel more than conquerors because of the one who is in us. Thank you, Father, for healing us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you declare, I'm free, I'm healed, I am blessed, I have no want. Now, when you say something like that, something inside you rises up and says, that's not true, you got all these bills. That's the devil's voice, amen? You're talking, you're speaking the truth. Because the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.